episode number 25 of the High Impact Leaders Podcast, your shortcut to personal growth and career success. Welcome to episode number 25 of High Impact Leaders. I'm Doug Stannert, CEO of the Leaders Institute, and this is the podcast that helps people like you acquire leadership and management skills to improve your careers and really facilitate dynamic growth in your business. On this episode, I'm going to cover some of the important roles that a good leader takes on. Um, if you take a look at at the show notes at leadersinstitute.com, I've included a survey that you can complete to assess your leadership skills and really compare those to others who listen to the podcast. Should be pretty fun. Um, these are the skills that you know if you really strengthen them, they're going to make it to where the other people around you, those that that watch you and see you every day, they see you as a great leader. Uh, by the way, the episode is brought to you by the Leaders Institute. If your team is experiencing periods of high stress or fear, or if you just want to improve morale or reward your team for their great service, then the Leaders Institute offers a number of different online and in-person leadership and team building activities that can help. So if you'd like to see what we have to offer, just go to leadersinstitute.com for details. All right, so let's get on with today's topic. And so my topic today is about leadership roles. So basically, what is it that leaders do? And, how, and what we're going to do is cover a few skill sets that if you maximize these things, you'll be able to really identify whether or not you're exhibiting effective team leadership for your group. And in fact, if you go to the show notes at leadersinstitute.com, we've actually included a survey that you can actually do. You can fill out the survey and at the end, it'll kind of score you related to some of the other folks who've actually taken the survey. It should be pretty fun. Anyway, so the topic though is what exactly does a good team leader do? <laughs> I'll give you kind of some background on this. When I first started doing quote unquote leadership training back in the early mid nineties, I guess, it used to be fairly difficult to kind of explain to people what leadership was. I was doing leadership training and I got to the point where when folks asked me, so what do you do for a living? I would say, eh, I'm a teacher <laughs> just because it was easier to explain than trying to explain exactly what leadership was. And so what I started doing, especially when I created the Leaders Institute is I started focusing more on, less on the term leadership skills and focusing more on the outcomes that people get from being a good leader. So basically I would cover things. I, if you look at the Leaders Institute website, you'll see that we focus on things like conflict resolution or building a team culture and things like that. Those are the outcomes of having good leadership. So what I wanted to cover in this session is really what are some of those skill sets? What are, the, what are some of those things that those roles that a leader will play in order to be considered to be a really, really good leader? So, and after studying, you know, some of the best leaders in different industries for, for really 20 plus years now, I, I've kind of found out a few things that the, the, a few roles that these leaders play. And if you understand these leadership roles and you focus on developing these skills, then your peers are going to see you as a leader as well. So let me just first list the 10 leadership roles that I've kind of found are, are pretty important. And then we'll go into each one of them in a little bit more detail. So first thing that good leaders do is they create and communicate an inspiring vision of the future. 
Number two is they identify team goals that are mile markers to that vision. So you got to create the vision and then create the individual goals that get us toward that vision. The third thing is you have to establish clear expectations with your team. So your team has to know what you want from them in order to be a good leader. And then Right after that, you have to help team members, help those team members that you've created the expectations for, help them create personal goals that are in line with the team goals. So those are all the initial things. Everything else is now how do you, if those are the things that help us kind of become a, a good leader, how do we create that culture that we want as a leader? So one of the things that you can encourage your team to do is coach those team members to kind of meet with each other uh, outside of the normal kind of meeting time periods and stuff like that. And I'll kind of go into detail. It's a little different from some of the other tips. Um, you also have to be able to delegate responsibilities to your team, not delegate the tasks, but delegate the responsibilities. You also want to build a team culture. Uh, you have to provide your team with the appropriate resources so that they can do their job effectively. You want to praise every success that they have. And then ultimately, there are going to be situations where you have to discipline those team members. So those are actually the, the 10 specific things that we're going to cover here. Let's go to, through each of them, though, one, on, one by one in a little bit more detail. So the first one that I talked about was you want to create and communicate an inspiring vision for the future. There is a huge difference between a leader and a manager. For instance, a manager is, is someone who's skilled at getting team members to move efficiently down an established path. So we've already got the path and a manager is there to help people navigate that path in an, as efficient a way as possible. The leader, though, is someone who creates an entirely new path. So it's not there yet. So we have to kind of create it from scratch. One of my heroes is uh, Milton, S. Milton S. Hershey. He's the, the chocolate bar guy, right? Hersey, when he was a kid, he had to drop out of school in the fourth grade to work on the family farm. And then after failing in, in, in a candy business in New York, he kind of returned home to Lancaster, Pennsylvania. He was totally in debt. And it took him years to get back on his feet. However, within 10 years of failing at what was his second business, actually, he built a multi-million dollar caramel candy company from scratch in the little town of Lancaster. <laughs> so, and then by the late 1800s, he, he had an idea to create a, a version of chocolate that everyone could afford. You know, he called it milk chocolate. So up until that time, chocolate was a luxury. Only very, very wealthy people ever got the, a chance to even taste it, right? So um, it, he'd already, he already created this multi-million dollar, this million dollar anyway, company. And he ended up selling that Carmel Company to fund his new project. So he was a, a real risk taker. And then when he did this, he built, a, he built his brand new factory for this milk chocolate thing that nobody ever heard of in a big open field surrounded by milk farmers. And, and then he began to build a town for his employees. So the town, which is now known as Hershey, Pennsylvania, it had this, it had comfortable family homes. It had public transportation, recreational facilities. You know, he built a swimming pool for the community and everything. The, the point is, is that after failing in New York, the odds that he would actually succeed in the much smaller town were pretty slim. I mean, remember the old New York song, you know, Frank Sinatra, if you can make it there, you can get anywhere, right? Um, he couldn't make it there. So, um, but he did make it in in uh, in this little town in, in Pennsylvania. And then after building this gigantic company from scratch, he sold it 
and then risked everything manufacturing a product that nobody ever even heard of. And then finally, he built the town for his employees so that he would have employees to work in his factory. And, and he was able to, he, basically, Hershey is, is such a really incredible character because he was able to see what no one else could. He, he, he created that vision. And, and that's really what we want to do as leaders. Now, you don't have to take as big a risk as what Milton Hershey did. But um, if, if you want people to follow you, you have to be looking to something that's not there. You have to create that vision. And then you have to be able to communicate that vision to people so that you, you have people following you, right? So the second role that, that leaders play is that they identify team goals that are mile markers to that vision. If you as the leader just create you know, these big, huge, lofty goal, especially if it's something really visionary like we just talked about, then it's, it's, that goal is always going to seem out of reach to the people that are working for you, working around you, working with you. Instead, you got to create a series of footsteps or, or mile markers along the way. For instance, if you want to increase revenue by a million dollars this year, that's pretty hard. However, bringing in, a, in an extra like $19,231 each week seems a little easier, right? So, um, especially if you're with a, in a big company, it, it's basically breaking that huge, huge, huge goal into bite-sized pieces. The moment that your team exceeds that $19,231 the first time that make basically if they get more than that in a week now all of a sudden the the next weeks are easier than the last week right so um, I'll give you an example just from personal life something not really related to business but I I, I absolutely hate to run I'm just I don't like it you know I, I was when I was in athletics in high school and college I was forced to run. And so when I graduated from college, I was like, man, I am never going to run ever again. And then I started to get fat. So um, the reason why I don't like to run, by the way, is that I get bored really easily. <laughs> and so um, when I was probably, I don't know, I, I was probably in my late 20s, maybe early 30s, something like that, when, when I was starting to gain weight for the first time in my life. And I got this wild hair that I was going to run. I was going to jog really slowly anyway, a 5k race. So now keep in mind that this was the first time since college. This was probably, who knows, six to 10 years after I, after I graduated, it had been that long since I'd run it all. Right. And I, I, and I just said, Hey, I'm going to run a 5k. I didn't actually train for it. And I didn't, I, I didn't do any type of preparation. I just sold, showed up on a Saturday morning in my gym shorts and tank top. And then after about 10 minutes of, of jogging really slowly, I was ready to give up. I was, I was, I was like, yeah, this is just dumb. I mean, it's hot. Ugh, this is not very comfortable and everything. And I looked up, up in front of me and I saw that right around the next corner, I saw a, a water station. And as I approached the station, I realized that was, I was really only about a third of the, the way. I mean, I was about a third of the way in. Um, so, um, I just kind of decided to, to keep going. It's like, Oh, okay. That was a third of this. Okay. What? I, it was uncomfortable, but you know, I'm not dying or anything. So, um, just so you know, it was much harder to get to the second station than it was to get to the first station because I was, you know, getting more tired and more worn out because I hadn't done any type of training again. But I knew that once I got to that station, that now it was two thirds of the way down. So in my mind, I'd already run. The, what I had left, I already run that twice that morning. So what's one more time, right? So I have to admit though, by the time I was halfway through that, through that last mile of the, of the 5k, I, I just kept telling myself, okay, just, just run 
to the next light pole. <laughs> so I was looking for my mar- mile markers got shorter uh, as I, as I got further along and, and at every, at, and then at every pole, I was that much closer to the finish and okay, now I'll just run to the next pole and I'll just run to the next pole. And your, your team needs mile markers like that as well. They, I mean, they need mile markers along the way. So a major leadership role that you can, you can take on is to break the big goal into bite-sized pieces and that'll make it easier for your folks to accomplish those things. So the third one is you want to establish clear expectations with your team. Um, and I'll give you my, my personal Goldilocks examples of this principle, by the way, uh, the, about my first boss that didn't give me any expectations. My second boss gave me too much expectations and expectations. And then the, the third boss was kind of the, the one in between a little bit better. So my first real job out of college, I was working for an entrepreneur in a, in a small town in West Texas. And when I interviewed for the job, he gave me the, a verbal job description and, and asked me if I could do it. Now, I mean, I was eager to get the job. So I, of course, told him, yeah, yeah, sure, I can do that, right? Now, and I assumed that some type of further explanation would come later. Instead, though, when I showed up the first day of work, I got my first job assignment. Now, keep in mind, I hadn't had no training in this job. I mean, it's, it's what I studied in school, but practically, I didn't have a whole lot of, I didn't have any practice doing the, the thing that he was asking me to do. Um, but I mean, I, I kind of muddled through it. I did what I thought was, was correct and everything. And after completing the job, I was expecting that somebody was going to look over my work and then give me some coaching or give me some instruction. But instead my boss just gave me another assignment. So I'm like, Oh, okay, well, this is pretty easy. I guess I'm doing it right. So I made that assumption months later though, my boss called me into his office and chastised me about the quality of the work. And, I was like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing. I've been here for months and I haven't gotten any training. And so I started looking for a new job that day. I was like, man, I can't do this. I can't, I can't, you have to give me some expectations of what you want me to do. So no expectations, no training, no explanation. And so I was just kind of left to, to fend for myself. So it was really frustrating. And, and I, I, you, you do not want your folks, the folks that are on your team to have that same type of frustration. So since I'd had that experience, the next job, I was looking for somebody that had, you know, clear expectations. So a couple of months later, my new boss at the new job that I got was on the far other extreme. He, he actually laid out the exact number of activities that I was to do each day and the time period that I was supposed to do those things. And, and by the way, this company had a team of, of assistants that were setting appointments for me, you know, so it was, it was maximum efficiency, which was awesome, by the way, and it was easy work, and I got paid really well, but I didn't really feel valued, you know, my, my success was really dependent upon how the other team members um, did on, on that job, so, and to be blunt, a lot of my coworkers didn't really have what I consider to be my, my values anywhere, or my work ethic, so I felt like a lot of my time was, was wasted, could have been doing a whole lot more, and could have been having a whole lot more fun. Uh, so um, again, start looking for a new position. So my third boss, which was, you know, a couple of years after that, um, I, he, he took this leadership role pretty seriously, this expectation role. And basically what he did was he gave me a territory to manage. So when I started working for him and, and then he calculated the revenue that that territory had pulled in the previous year. And then finally, after he'd done that, he just said, all right, so when you come, you, when you come back to me with a 10, 10% increase over what was done in this territory last year, I'll give you a new territory, right? And I was like, oh, all right. So I, it was brilliant, by the way. I mean, if, 
if I ever had a challenge getting that 10% increase in, in one of the territories that he gave me, I could just come to him and he would coach me and then he'd send me back out in the field. And, and it was, I, he never let me off the hook. I always had to get at least that 10%. And a lot of times I was getting 15, 20, 25% increase in there because I was using my own ingenuity. I wasn't having to rely on him to kind of point me in the way. So, and that's what your folks want. Your folks want you to, to set those expectations and then coach them, help them reach those expectations as easily as possible. So number four is that you want to help your team members create personal goals that are in line with the, the team goals. So we've got that, that overall vision. We've got the, the bite-sized pieces goals for the, for the company anyway. And now we've set the expectations for a team. So, so the fourth thing really is you want to help your team members set those individual goals that are in line with those other three things that we, we just talked about. So Give an example. Years ago, I had a boss who he wanted desperately to make President's Club for for his franchise, and and I was one of twelve account managers that he had. And to qualify, what he had to do was he had to generate two million dollars in revenue by the end of the year. So my boss called each one of us into his each one of the account managers into his office one at a time, and he asked us, "Okay, how much of that two million dollars could we personally generate?" And I knew that, you know, one twelfth of the total amount that he needed was about $167,000, grand. And I also knew that I was one of his best account managers. So when he asked me, I suggested eh, maybe $200,000, that sounds, which was basically more than what I'd done the previous year. But after I told him that, he kind of paused and he got really, really quiet. Great leader, by the way. Pause got really, really quiet. And the only thing he said was, I was hoping that you'd be my first quarter of a million dollar account manager. And the moment that he said that, the moment that he placed that in my head, I started trying to think of the possible ways that I could do Because up until that time, I'm like, oh my God, that's impossible. I don't know. I don't even know if you can do that. I, I, man, nobody's ever done that before. That's way bigger than what I, I was one of the top sales guys or one of the top account managers. And, you know, so all that is kind of rolling through my head. So I guess I was thinking about it too long. And this great leader, he kind of did something that was really um, creative, I guess, at the time, really um, impromptu, I guess. I don't know, maybe he planned it this way, but but uh, it, since I paused, I didn't I didn't kind of jump at it and say, oh yeah, well, okay, I can do that, right? He, he I, I paused for too long and he said, eh, no problem, 200 it is, <laughs> right? So he was like, he kind of agreed with me and, and then he turned it on me, he said, I'll see if Bob wants to shoot for the 250, right? So Bob was my nemesis at the time. Yeah, we're real good friends, but you know, he was always up there with me and we were always competing for that top spot. So I didn't want Bob to beat me. So I hit 250,000 that year. And so if you're good at inspiring your team members, then, then an important leadership role is to help them set those personal goals that are in line with the, the company goals. So we're almost to the halfway point through these 10 leadership roles. And the first few that I've covered so far are more structural in nature. You know, basically these are the things that you want to have in place before we even start to coach or manage our team members. Uh, the rest of the items, the ones that we're gonna cover on the next episode have to do with motivating and inspiring and directing our team members to really create that team culture that we want within our organization. So we'll see you next week on the High Impact Leaders Podcast.